Blog Talk Radio. Weston, and thank you for joining us for this evening's topic. So you got engaged, it's time to think about a prenup, and who gets to keep the ring if you break up? My special guest tonight, February 21, 2010, is matrimonial attorney Judith Hartz. For all of you who are engaged, there are lots of plans to make in the next few months. Be sure one of them is a prenuptial agreement, especially if you own your own business. Judy's here to discuss this thorny topic with us. And as well, she's also going to tell us who gets to keep the ring if you break up. While diamonds are a girl's best friend, it doesn't always stay that way. Judy's a partner at the law firm of Kazira and Hearts, and she has been specializing in the area of family law for 19 years. In 2005, she won the Family Lawyer of the Year Award, and she's co-authored several articles on the issue of custody, as well as serving as an editor at the New Jersey Family Lawyer publication. You can read more about her practice at www.kazirahearts.com. That's K-O-Z-Y-R-A-H-A-R-T-Z.com. Welcome, Judy. Tell us more about your practice. Well, Lucy, let me start off by saying it's great to be back. I had such a good time the last time I appeared on your show. And we um, did, too. Oh, good, good. I, uh, I wanted to, uh, to mention that first before we got started. You indicated that I do practice family law or matrimonial law, and that encompasses a lot of different areas, including child custody, child support, and relevant to today's show, I also prepare prenuptial agreements and cohabitation agreements. I represent a lot of uh, different types of people from all walks of life, and I have to say, no day is like the last. Each individual client presents a set of unique factual and legal circumstances that make my job very interesting. So it's always changing. Well, it's similar, but it's always changing. It is. It is. And and each client um, is interesting to represent because they always come to me with a different set of of factual and, and, and legal issues that are confronting them. So, and it's yeah. a colorful area it, of it the law. It certainly is. It, it There's really never is. a dull moment, right? Never a dull moment, that's for sure. And as Judy mentioned, listeners, if you're a regular listener of Here We Are, she did appear on a very popular show that we have called Much to Do About Divorce, Positioning Yourself Before You Ask or Are Asked. And if you're remotely considering divorce or if you were recently served, this is a very enlightening show. Judy offered so much great information that it's become our most downloaded show to date. So if you haven't heard it, I strongly suggest you do. Uh, we taped in September of 2009. It's on the Here We Are page. It's easy for you to find. 
Uh, I'm going to give you a quick disclaimer, and then we're going to be on our way. This legal information is being presented by Here We Are as a service to its readers and listeners and is for educational purposes only. It is not intended to constitute legal advice, and it's not meant to substitute for competent legal counsel from a licensed attorney in your state. You should neither act nor rely on any of the information without first consulting a lawyer who will apply the current laws to your specific circumstances or situation. Listeners, for the first part of the show, we are going to focus on the prenuptial agreements, and then we're going to follow that with who gets to keep the ring discussion, so stay tuned. Okay, Judy, let's start and take us through this in simple steps. What is a prenup? Okay, a prenuptial agreement is an agreement that's drafted prior to a couple getting married. Okay, it's important because it may be used by that couple to determine, even before the the marriage takes place, what each party's rights will be in the event of a divorce. So, well, it's not the most, um, I guess it's not the most, um, how do I how do I put, romantic thing to discuss prior to getting married. It's a very important thing for a couple to consider for various reasons, um, including. But, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, including, for example, let's say one or both um, individuals have a house or have a business or have significant premarital savings that they don't necessarily want to share after they get married, that's something that they can address in a prenuptial agreement. Okay, before we get ahead to people who have a lot, let's talk about those who maybe don't have as much, but they're starting out, maybe you have a, a new business, especially as a woman. Uh, this, obviously, we try to gear the show towards uh, women's issues and uh, enlightening women. What do you do if you have a, a new business, maybe it's a new company set up, there's not a whole lot of assets, but it's still an important thing, I think, right? Oh, absolutely, that, and particularly if it's a new business. The woman starts the business before, say, for example, she even lays eyes on her fiancé, and she puts a lot of time and, and effort into creating the business. The business probably has a value, um, an established value, an established Mm -hmm. following that she may not want to necessarily share with her husband in the event that they get divorced. So women shouldn't discount maybe if it's a small business or maybe it's just a a single uh, person running it, just her right now, Mm -hmm. because you don't know what's going to come down the pike. You could end up with a multi-million dollar business 10 years from now when you're in the marriage. The business can become very successful. And the woman may be the only one working in the business. Her then husband or her fiancé at the time, but then husband, may not put any time or effort into the business. And it may become, like you said, a very successful and valuable business. In the event that couple divorces, it's likely, and I don't know what what state the the example is uh, referring to, but let's say in the state of New Jersey, if there's no prenuptial agreement, the husband can make a claim to a percentage of the value of the woman's business. So it's really important to look at what you're doing Mm -hmm. in life as well as what you have. Correct, correct. What what you have is important or what the value ascribed to that particular asset could be Mm -hmm. later on if the couple decides to get divorced. So it's very important for that reason. Now you mentioned uh, real estate, Mm -hmm. buying a house. Right. All right, so are we going to – let's talk about – uh, if we buy the house, let's 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 go uh, in in the timeline. You meet, you're dating, you get engaged, mm-hmm. and or you even before you're engaged, you start to cohabitate. You move in okay. together. Okay. Now, what's important to keep in mind is that a prenuptial agreement doesn't take effect until the marriage takes place. 
So let's say there's a couple who's divorced, I mean, who's engaged, rather, and that couple is house hunting, and they decide to buy a house together. Let's say the woman puts the entire down payment down on that house, and the prenuptial agreement indicates that in the event of a divorce, the woman gets the entire down payment back. If the couple never gets married, the prenuptial agreement wouldn't govern what happens to the house in the event the couple splits up. So that means that that down payment, the bulk of that down payment is up for grabs? It is. And that's why I would suggest if a couple buys a house together before they get married, that they put whatever arrangement they want to take place in the event they break up in writing. And I draft a lot of these types of agreements in my practice, and we call them a cohabitation agreement or a cohab agreement uh, for short. And that's where a couple can determine how the proceeds that they use as a down payment are going to be divided in the event they break up. Let's say they, the, the couple is going to have a, a long engagement, three or four years, and they see a good uh, deal on a house and they want to invest in the house together. That couple should determine, A, how the house would be divided in the event that they break up, who's going to stay in the house. Let's say the woman puts the entire down payment down and she wants to be able to stay in the house in the event the couple breaks up. They can put that in the cohabitation agreement. Okay. Yeah, I just want to clarify that. All right, so you're saying that all of these details could go in to this to a, a cohabitation agreement. That's right. And but that's not a prenup. I want to be clear about that, correct? That's right. That's not a prenuptial agreement. So it's it, actually a, an agreement before the prenup. Correct. Or okay. or it could be entered into while the couple's engaged. But a prenuptial agreement again doesn't take effect until the marriage actually takes place. So if you're not so certain that the marriage is going to take place, and there's sometimes that likelihood a couple right. could break up, especially if they have a long engagement and they're starting to enter into financial transactions together, like buying a house, releasing a, an apartment or a townhome, buying a car together, opening a joint bank account. Mm, uh, and I want to talk about that. So this is very interesting. You have, the, you have to really think about what is it you're bringing into just the cohabitation mm-hmm. aspect of the relationship, and then once you are getting married. So somewhere in this time frame, there are two awkward situations to, to talk about. That's but right. important ones to address. They're, they're very important. And so the cohabitation to... agreement and then the prenup. That's right. And you sort of have to address them separately. Mm-hmm. You sort of address two different scenarios. And, and you just touched upon something that's important. And I, and I realize these discussions can be very uncomfortable for people to have before they're getting married um, because you know, it, it, there can be issues of distrust. One, one part of the couple may go to the other and say, listen, before we enter into this transaction together, I'd like us to have an agreement in writing with respect to how the property is going to be divided or who gets to stay in the property after we break up. Yeah, that could be awkward. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and, and the person who's being approached for the first time sort of out of the blue may look at the person who's presented the scenario and, and, and say, what, you don't trust me? Or you think I'm going to trust And I think women will, will are, are more apt to uh, default to that emotional position. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we have, we have to really remember that this is about business. It's about business and it's about protecting yourself. Because very and dollars often, and cents. That's right. And, and very often women are the ones who are left disadvantaged by a breakup. Let's say, for example, a woman maybe who, who quits her job or relocates to go live with someone. What happens then? Oh, that's a very good point. And a lot of women do do that. They'll move across the country. They'll give mm-hmm. up a job. Right. And Okay. Oh, or, that's or interesting. What about if the woman's a, a better saver than her fiancé was or is, 
and the woman empties out her 401k or something like that in order to put a down payment on a piece of property. What happens if the guy breaks off the engagement? Or quite frankly, what if she wants to break it off? Right. If there's nothing in writing to determine what happens with the house they just purchased together or something along those lines, you're right. It is up for grabs. And that, it can resu- it, the result could be litigation or arguing or losing out on, on a fair amount of money. Right. Now, what if you – all right, so we have the cohabitation. Then you have the prenup. So let's get a little bit more specific with the prenup. Let's say you get through the, the living together part. You actually get down the aisle. You get married. You have a prenup in place. Okay. Um, and whatever the circumstances are that that particular couple has uh, determined, whether they've married, uh, bought a house or not right. – um, what happens with the property that is acquired then during the marriage? Does everything have to be outlined in that prenup? Does it, how strong is the prenup? The, that type of thing. Let's talk about that. That's a really good question, Lucy. A prenup can address things that are owned prior to the marriage, like we just spoke about. It can also define what would happen with property that the couple actually acquires while they're together during the marriage. It can determine how, for example, the value of a house would be split. It can determine whether or not the couple is going to share in one another's retirement savings during the marriage, whether or not the couple is actually going to commingle their finances. For example, are they going to open up a joint bank account or are they going to keep separate accounts? If a couple purchases something in his or her own name, is it, quote, unquote, theirs in the event of a divorce or is it something that they have to share in the event of a divorce? A prenuptial agreement can be that specific and so that this, this sounds like it's it's really very helpful actually in a, in a relationship to define the roles and who's who owns what who's going to get what it, it once you get past that initial hurdle of you know the difficult conversation and the awkwardness, it really does sort of streamline the rest of the business and things are clear absolutely their rights and obligations can be very clear and quite frankly if a prenup prenuptial agreement is properly drafted and considered and discussed between the couple, it can ultimately save them a lot of emotional and financial expense in the event of a divorce because they've already talked about all of this, they've reduced it to writing, and they think it's fair. I mean, maybe one part of the couple thinks it's more fair than the other, but nevertheless, they've agreed upon it and discussed it. And you always know going into it then what you've agreed to. Exactly. It's not, it's not a lot of gray area then. It's pretty black and white. It, there, there isn't a lot of gray area as long as the prenuptial agreement is properly prepared. It's very, very important that it be properly prepared. Okay, now before we get to the preparation and what goes actually into the prenup, mm-hmm. um, let's just talk a little bit about is there anything that you can't put in a prenup? You cannot determine child support obligations or, or limit them, let's say. For example, you couldn't say in a prenuptial agreement that my intended husband does not have to pay child support in the event that we have a child. At least in the state of New Jersey, we view the right to child support as belonging to a child. So let's say the wife or the intended wife can't limit the child's right to child support. Hmm. Now, what about custody? Child custody issues may also not be determined in an agreement because, again, the court has the obligation to make those types of determinations based on what's best for the child, not what's best for mom or what's best for dad. So if, uh, 
if a woman has, let's say she has a child from a previous marriage, mm-hmm. and she's marrying, a, a, you know, the next husband, mm-hmm. and it's not his biological child, and let's say he's not even, well, let's say he's going to adopt this child. Okay. That has to be, all those arrangements for that child then have to be uh, arranged outside of the prenup. Correct. Okay. And, and we don't want to go into too much detail, but what, what would that arrangement be called? Well, if the intended spouse is going to adopt her child from a prior relationship, that would be an adoption that would take place after their marriage, presumably, and that would be a whole separate legal proceeding and a whole separate host of legal issues that would be attendant to that particular transaction taking place. Okay, so that, just to be clear to the listeners, that is a completely separate Mm -hmm. issue that needs to be addressed separately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not trying to be redundant here, but it's right. you know, and things are time, important. Right. They can talk about it, certainly. Right. But at the time it actually takes place, it, th- those types of arrangements would be addressed. But that's a very good question. Now, okay, we, you started to get to when you're preparing the prenup, what needs to be done? We've talked about what's going into it and what can't go into it. Mm-hmm. What do we have to do as we're putting this together to make this uh, less painful than it has to be for both mm-hmm. parties, let's say? And if the parties are going to go to the trouble and expense of actually having a prenuptial agreement prepared, they should do it the right way. Okay. Uh, and, and that's what I usually tell my clients when they come to me and, and ask me what's involved in preparing a prenuptial agreement, particularly if it's the person who wants the agreement prepared. The first thing I tell them is that you, you want it to be binding. You want the money and time that you're putting into having this agreement drafted to be worthwhile. You want it to be upheld by a court down the road if it's ever attacked by your then spouse in the event, and we've seen this happen with, certainly with celebrity couples, where oh, and, and I hate to mention it, but evidently there's one with Tiger Woods and his wife, and that right. you know, so that everyone knows about this. So just you know, this does happen where people do challenge prenups. It, it does. Okay. It does. Now you mentioned that uh, it's got to be done right. So it what does. are the what are the steps that you have to take? And what do you have to be aware of when you do go to an attorney to, to make it, to feel comfortable that it's being done right? First of all, when you, and I can speak for the law in the state of New Jersey, but I'm sure our listeners are from all around the country, if, if not around the world. Yes. The first thing they need to ask the attorney is, is if they've ever drafted a prenuptial agreement before. Okay. okay. Or if this is something they routinely do in their practice and they need to ask the attorney what the law is in their particular state or jurisdiction. With so you don't to want to go to an attorney that does uh, predominantly real estate law? No, no. You want to find a matrimonial attorney or a mm-hmm. family law attorney. Right, who, who okay. does this regularly and is familiar with the law. Uh, in New Jersey, we actually have a statute governing prenuptial agreements, and I would think many other jurisdictions have a statute as well. In New Jersey, a very important aspect of a prenuptial agreement is full disclosure of all assets and liabilities. And that means all assets and liabilities. And I frequently have clients who come to me who don't want to make that disclosure, particularly people who maybe have significant assets and don't feel comfortable either sharing the information with me and possibly sharing the information with their intended spouse. That's such an important But isn't that the whole point of this? (laughs) It is. It is. But you'd be surprised. There are people who just don't feel comfortable sharing such personal information. Um, And and that's so important. If that information isn't disclosed or or is withheld or they mislead the other party as to their assets and liabilities, 
the agreement can be subject to attack down the road. Okay. And both sides have to have independent counsel. And that means that both sides can't be represented by the same lawyer. A lawyer, one lawyer can draft the agreement, but the other party has to have the opportunity to have the agreement reviewed by independent counsel. All right, so this is not the time to uh, watch your pennies. This is the time to say it's worth spending the money to get this done right. That's right, particularly if you're approached with regard to a prenuptial agreement. If you're the one being asked to sign it, you want to take it to a lawyer, and you want to review it with a lawyer, and you want the lawyer to tell you what rights you're giving up. How would this be construed by a court in the event that we're divorced? What would my situation be without the prenuptial agreement? And what is my situation now that I'm being asked to, to sign the prenuptial agreement? And if I do sign the prenuptial agreement? That, that's a very good statement, what you just said. What are you giving up? Mm-hmm. Everybody, right. I think in, in society we kind of go along thinking, oh, prenup is what you're going to get mm-hmm. if things don't work out. But right. you don't really think of it in the flip side of what are you giving up and what isn't included in that, and you better make sure it's all tied together neatly before you get married. Sign. That's right. Right. And, and and a lot of, I don't want to say, I don't want to make a sexist remark, but let's just say there's a man who doesn't want to pay spousal support to his intended wife, and he wants to limit his spousal support obligation where he's, he's adamant that he doesn't want to pay it under any circumstances, and, and that can lead to a lot of different discussions that you and I can have right now. But the woman who's being asked to waive a child, uh, rather a spousal support right needs to ask her lawyer what she would be entitled to. What if that woman's being asked to leave a job? What if that woman's being asked to take a lesser-paying job or work part-time instead of full-time? How will that impact that woman's right to receive spousal support. So there's a lot more to this than just, oh, you'll get the house and I'll right. get the car. This is the this is life-changing. It is. Well, and what if that same woman in that prenuptial agreement is being asked to waive her right to a portion of her soon-to-be husband's retirement savings? So hmm. he's saving in a 401K or 403B or whatever retirement plan he has to his employer and she's only working part-time, perhaps, reducing her work hours, and maybe isn't able to contribute to a retirement plan. How will that prenuptial agreement impact her? She needs to ask her lawyer that. So we said uh, it's full disclosure, independent counsel, time to review, mm-hmm. and are there any other steps that are included in this? You just mentioned time to review as well. In addition, the, the lawyer reviewing the agreement must have enough time to meet with the woman who's being asked to sign the agreement in our example and explain to her what she, what rights she's waiving and have time perhaps to negotiate different provisions or modifications to the prenuptial agreement prior to the marriage. So you don't want to sign it uh, midnight the day before you're going to be walking down the aisle. <laughs> it, may, it may be subject to attack. And if you're the one who's asking for the prenuptial agreement to be signed, you don't want to present it to your fiancé a day or two before the wedding. That okay. just give your fiancé enough time to really reflect on it and review it with, with his or her lawyer. Another important piece here is that the agreement must be in writing. There are people out there who don't want to spend the money, perhaps having it done the right way, and think that they have you know, a, a, an oral agreement that may be enforceable by a court. And I can tell you in the state of New Jersey, all such 
arrangements between couples must be in writing. You can't have an oral agreement whereby, oh, you know what, we'll split everything fairly. Don't worry about it. We don't need it in writing. That would not and be enforced by This us. is akin to a contract. Absolutely. It and we have contract. to think of it this way. I mean, you know, right. if you're 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 writing a contract, what do you what are we always told? Even if you have a, a construction person at your house doing something, you get a contract. That's right. And you get you get it in writing, and and you get it in advance of whatever events taking place, so that you have adequate time to reflect on it. And the last thing that people need to think about is that it needs to be signed voluntarily. You can't be forced into signing the agreement. And this is a rather dramatic example, but your fiancé can't have a gun to your head and tell you, listen, if you don't sign this agreement, I'm going to use this gun or I'm going to hurt you. There's a famous, uh, well, no, there's a story about a famous couple who I will not mention who she was presented with the prenup literally hours while she was putting her gown on. Oh, no. And it was basically, you sign this or no wedding. And Mm -hmm. the press was there and... There were all these guests, and it was the wedding of the year in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and she signed it. And, of course, five years later or so, they divorced, and there was an issue with the prenup. And, right. you know, so it's people do try to do things like this. They do. And I think a lot of people just put off the discussion. Yes. Uh, and maybe they, they don't know the right time to bring it up, and then the days just start going by, and the clock's ticking, and before you know it, the wedding is two weeks away, and they haven't broached the subject with their fiancé. And that's what leads, I think, sometimes to these negotiations taking place place at the eleventh hour. And you that's know, a great example, Lucy, of, of, of you know uh, somebody perhaps entering into the agreement involuntarily or without enough time to reflect on its terms. And and there's pressure there. You know, what are you what are you going to come out and tell your whole family and all your friends in the press? Oh, listen, there's not going to be a wedding because I won't sign the prenup. Right. Or I need my attorney to look at it. It's, you start to feel and. You're excited. Uh, it's just a, a whole bunch of things. So, so listeners, don't put yourself in that position. No. Take the time to do what you need to do ahead of time so that it's not do or die or you, and you know what you're getting into. And I think women, you know, you do get, listen, everybody gets caught up in the wedding. Oh, absolutely. Fun and, and, and uh, you know, fiasco. Everything is just going along and nobody wants to ruin it. But at the same time, this, you're making life-changing decisions. So I think it's important to stress that this is the time to do uh, what you need to do for your future. That's right. Uh, okay. Now let's get to the bling. Okay. Uh, everyone's had a friend who's gotten engaged, broke it off, and then the ring became the center of a fight about who gets to keep it. And putting aside the emotional aspect, what is there any legal ruling that can give some guidance for this? That's a very interesting issue as well, Lucy. In the state of New Jersey and in many other states in our country, an engagement ring is a gift that's made in contemplation of marriage. It's a conditional gift. And that means that the gift is conditioned upon the marriage actually taking place. So if the marriage actually occurs the condition is satisfied, and the woman is permitted to keep the ring. On the other hand, if the marriage does not occur, someone breaks it off, the would-be bride must return the the ring to her fiancé. So an example of a conditional gift, you both have to be available to be married. One of you can't be married and give a ring to someone. There's a lot of things going on with all these dating sites online where Mm -hmm. a lot of married people are dating and pretending that they're single. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure in, in along those lines, some people are getting rings. 
You know, it's, it's interesting because I, I remember reading about a case in the state of New York where a, a man gave a very expensive engagement ring to his fiancée, or so she thought. I believe the fiancée broke off the engagement and the man wanted the ring back. The woman refused to give it back to him. The man filed suit against her, and the court ultimately ruled that because the man was actually married to someone else, I don't know if it was unbeknownst to his fiancée or not, but nevertheless, because he was married to someone else and couldn't actually marry her, that the engagement ring was not a conditional gift at all, an unconditional gift, rather a conditional gift. It was an unconditional gift, and she didn't need to actually marry him in order to keep it. Because he couldn't fulfill the condition. That's right. He couldn't marry her. So the court viewed it as an outright gift to her. Okay. Not, not a conditional gift. All right. So now, does the value matter? Not necessarily. The value doesn't. Maybe it matters to the guy who's involved in the situation where the woman broke off the engagement and doesn't give the ring back. Maybe if it's a more expensive gift, uh, he, he would care more than if it's not. And what is this more of a, I know that this is, obviously this is a very sticky situation when this mm-hmm. happens to somebody. You're upset, your emotions are, are running high, no matter who breaks off the engagement. Uh, I would tend to think if it's a mutual thing, it's, this is something that can be worked out between the parties. But if one breaks off, uh, either side, you know, one breaks off against the other, this discussion comes up. What happens state by, I mean, I, obviously we can't go through all 50 states, but is there a, a way the law leans? I know New York, New Jersey, and I believe Pennsylvania as well looks at an engagement ring as a conditional gift. I believe California says that if the guy breaks off the engagement, he doesn't get the ring back. If he doesn't break the engagement, he can ask for it to be returned to him. Okay, so now what about an heirloom ring? You you give your fiancé, the guy gives the fiancé the grandmother's ring. Mm Mm-hmm. I would say if someone is giving a family heirloom to their fiancé that they should have something in writing that would govern what happens if the engagement is broken off. And a step further, I would say that the return of the ring to the, the guy should be included in a prenuptial agreement because in most states, once the woman marries this gentleman, she can keep the ring. So in the event they divorce, he wouldn't get the ring back. They should provide for that in writing. In right, because that's a separate ingre- that's a separate item. I mean, even though it's given in contemplation of marriage, right. if it is a family heirloom, it has a different value to that person. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean a monetary value. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's it has something a lot of that sentimental value. And when she's no longer a member of the family, I would think that his family would want the ring returned to them. It would be very important to him, so he should put it in a prenuptial agreement. And could you train? Can you do? I, I know that this is something that I, I've read people do, and I've also heard this. That if, let's say, the woman's going along and the family is planning the wedding, and a lot of money does get put out to plan a wedding. Mm-hmm. You have your deposits. You're buying dresses. You know, you're planning the honeymoon, especially if the bride's family is paying for everything. If you break up, and again, I know this goes state by state. But if, let's say, the bride has put out a, whatever, a equal value to what the, the ring is in, mm-hmm. in monetary value, can you then kind of say, well, I'm, you know, I'm going to keep the ring because my family and I are out all of this money? I suppose you can take that position. I don't know what the outcome of a lawsuit would be in that kind of a scenario. But I will say that 
the legal fees associated with filing lawsuits could possibly exceed what they're arguing over. Uh, I don't think it's a bad idea that, w- that when there's that kind of money being spent on reception halls and the like, that perhaps the couple should have an agreement in writing that indicates what would happen in the event one of them calls it off. Do they equally share all of those types of, of costs? Does one of them share more of the burden in the event they're the one that breaks off the engagement? Um, you know, I, th- I think that there are all kinds of agreements that lawyers are drafting these days that address these these types of scenarios. And again, to and I th- I'm sure you see this with women that come to you as clients that a lot of women don't take the time, and maybe you know they feel uncomfortable bringing this up, but it's so important to address all of these issues that we've talked about. It, it is important for for men and for women, but particularly when women are, are the ones that are making more of the sacrifices under some of the scenarios that we've been talking about tonight. Now, we only have a couple minutes left, Judy. Okay. Is there anything that we left out that you feel you, you, know, you really want the listeners to know? I don't think there's anything that we've left out other than to, to say that these are very important decisions that women are making uh, when they're thinking of, of, of getting married and giving up jobs or relocating or laying out money or putting things on credit cards or deciding to live together and put their names on a lease, or maybe only their name is on a lease and their fiancé's name is not on a lease. And when they're, they're getting themselves involved in these financial situations that could be detrimental to them in the event the relationship breaks up. So I, th- I think it's important that they give some of these issues a lot of thought and maybe go to see a lawyer and ask the lawyer some questions. Maybe just have a consultation. I think it's worth the expense. A few hundred dollars is worthwhile doing before they get themselves in a situation where they're out hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it could be that. It, and it, it could be that. Like I said yeah. earlier, it's life-changing things that might happen down the road that you don't expect. Right. And when you're in love, you don't expect these things to happen. No, you don't. Like, like you're saying, you're focused on planning your wedding and planning your life together. And when, when some of the, these events don't actually occur and the woman's made sacrifices, agreements like that can become very important. And I think it's important to look at it, like we said earlier, about it being a business decision. Look at it as business, because when if if things do turn sour, you want things in place because that will help you when you're emotional and you feel humiliated or whatever your situation is. You have something in writing that at least could be a guide. Do you agree with that? I agree. And you know what? Women should look at it as an insurance policy. Take care of it put it away. You don't need to take it out until an event occurs. And unfortunately, that is great advice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that that's how they should look at it. Maybe it's not the, the most romantic discussion to have, and they'd rather be talking about where they're having their reception and going on their honeymoon, or how they're going to decorate their new apartment or house. But take care of first things first. Take care of yourself first, and then everything else can fall into place nicely afterwards. And you'll probably never need to look at it again, and I hope not. Right. Just in case it's there. Judy, thank you. This was so informative and fun, and I hope the listeners will get a lot out of it. I know they will. I did. Uh, Really, really good. And uh, once again, listeners, you can also hear uh, Judy on our other show, which was recorded in September, Much to Do About Divorce, and you will have a lot of information um, if you listen to that show, too. Thank you so much, Judy. Oh, at least, Lucy, it was a It was a great time, as always. It was as much fun as last time, and I hope I was helpful.
Oh, very much so. Thank you. Uh, listeners, you can contact Judy at www.kazirahearts.com. Again, that's K-O-Z-Y-R-A-H-A-R-T-Z.com. And that link is on the Blog Talk Radio Here We Are page. And it will also be point- posted at the corresponding post about this show on the blog www.herewearewithlucy.com. Thank you, listeners. I'm Lucy Weston, your host, and I am so glad that you joined us tonight for this valuable information. I invite you to visit and subscribe to the blog for lots of great information on making your life better, brighter, and easier on our way to running the world. Thank you and good night.